the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bever. With me, as always, Stephen White. How are you today, Stephen? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Hey, I can't complain. You know, uh, we were joking before the show that, and I'm knocking on wood because you never know what could happen, but uh, uh, the big news actually happened before we started recording today, whereas it usually happens almost within a few seconds of us hanging up the phone here to record this thing. So the Giants traded Jason Pierre-Paul to the Bucks for, uh, I mean, I think a third, they swapped, what, fourth-round picks, and then the Bucks sent over a third-round pick to the Giants. Not a huge, you know, it's not like the Giants got a ton of shit in return in terms of draft picks. But, you know, I think they, it seems like this was probably a move to clear out some salary cap space. Because I think, you know, as great as a, as good of a pass rusher as JPP is, the Giants still have uh, have some muscle up front at any rate. So, I, I don't know. That was an interesting trade, huh? Yeah, I, I think on both sides, uh, it was interesting. Obviously, the, the Giants could use the salary cap uh, relief of having uh, him off their roster. Um, but now you have to fill that hole. Now you have to find yeah. somebody... Who can actually pass rush for you? With the Bucks, they needed pass rush help. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining down here because they hadn't been as active uh, in free agency as some other teams. They hadn't been active, you know, with trading and trying to acquire talent either. Robert Quinn is a guy who got traded uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago from the Rams to Miami, mm-hmm. and I know a, a lot of Bucks fans were kind of uh, covering him. And we're uh, upset to see that, that the Dolphins were able to get them. And it didn't even look like we were in play. Mm-hmm. So they had to do something. Uh, I thought maybe they would go for another uh, pass rusher early in the draft. But now this probably changes draft plans for both teams, mm-hmm. potentially. Because they're both picking in the top ten. So, excuse me. Uh, I, I, I think it was uh, a little shocking at first when you read it. But the more you think about it, the more I think it kind of made sense for both teams to a certain extent uh, from a financial mm-hmm. aspect for the Giants for a talent acquisition standpoint for the Bucks. Now, the, the only thing about it is somebody <laughs> – I think somebody pointed out, I think they paid more as far as a uh, higher draft pick to get JPP mm-hmm. than the Dolphins did to get the Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those guys ends up uh, having more of an impact this year because JPP is getting on up there in age. And, of course, he has you know the, the, the hand that, that was damaged permanently in, mm-hmm. in the, the uh, 4th of July explosion. I will say that you know he's done a phenomenal job overcoming that. Yeah. It, it's amazing how well he's able to play with it with that one hand being mangled that way but he's getting on up in age and he's getting to that age where you know you kind of start getting those bumps and bruises that may keep you out of some games so mm-hmm. uh it, the one thing about it is it's kind of like him coming back home though because he played down here at usf right uh fans are very familiar with him i'm sure the fan base is gonna love this move uh but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out long term mm-hmm yeah, and apparently he lives in the offseason, too. But that's an interesting combination because the Bucks made another move in free agency to sign Vinnie Curry, who uh, recently of the Eagles. Uh, Eagles obviously had traded for Michael Bennett, so um, they probably did not need to re-sign Curry. So they let Curry walk at the Bucks. So, you know, all of a sudden the Bucks have 
just looking at that defensive line, you've got JPP and Curry kind of bookending it, and then you've got a. I know it's a four-man front, but it's a you got you got McCoy in the middle there too. That's you know that's not a bad trio to have on your defensive line. I feel safe in saying that's the most talent that they've put around uh, Gerald McCoy since he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been an enduring indictment against the uh, the organization that he's kind of been out there by himself most years. I know uh, Lovey Smith's first year, they did try to get him some help. They uh, overpaid uh, for uh, – the defense ran from the Bengals. That only ended up lasting a year. But, I mean, JPP, that's a known commodity. We yeah. know that guy can get out to the pass. We know that guy can make some outstanding plays. Vinny Curry the same way. His situation was he ends up getting cut with the Eagles just because, you know, they acquired some more time, talent. They drafted Derek Barnett last year, and yeah. his cap number was kind of high. But that wasn't an indictment of his play. No, not he at all. He was still a very important player for them in their Super Bowl run. So, uh, I mean, at least on paper, man, uh, Gerald McCoy will finally have the opportunity to get a lot more one-on-one pass rushes because teams will have to worry about the defensive ends. That's just not something he's had most of his career in the league, if ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... sets up an interesting defensive line situation there. No, and, and now, I mean, I guess that leaves kind of, you know, cause you look at this Bucks team and, and five and 11 seems, you know, I know they struggled last season, but it seems like there's a better, you know, I was just looking where they pick in the draft. And we were talking about this a little bit before they picked seventh overall in the draft. And like the latest mock draft I saw had them taking Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. It seems like offensive line is obviously an area where they could upgrade, but Seems like pass rusher is maybe off the board for them now with that first round pick. Well, you never know. If a guy, right. if they like a guy enough, they could get him. They did draft Noah Spencer a few years ago. His, his career hasn't gotten off to a smashing start because he's been having trouble with a, a shoulder. But he did have surgery last season mm-hmm. after he went on IR. So hopefully that's fixed now. But there's no way to know in March. Yeah. So they could still. Uh, you know, get another guy in the first round thinking, you know, I think JPP is only on the contract for this year and next year, mm-hmm. but there's an out in the contract. Uh, you know, one of those sign-up bonus has to be paid on the first, the de- you know, the third day of the league year or something like yeah. that next year. But he, they don't have him on the long-term contract. Yeah. So, you know, they could look at his age and say, we still need a guy to be ready to step in as soon as, you know, we kind of ease him out of the door and maybe – JPP could kind of groom that kid too if they do take a pass rusher early and teach them some tricks of the trade yeah. as they're playing together. Yeah. And so that wouldn't be a bad thing either. But the truth of the matter is the Bucks have several different uh, you know, places where they really need an upgrade uh, that can come, come from the draft. Uh, you know, the defense was secondary. I think they could take a safety – or a corner. I don't know if they want to take them that early. Maybe they'll trade back. But, you know, safety or corner is, is a place they could go. You talked about offensive line. I, I want to say something like I know that a lot of people don't pay attention to the Bucks that much because they haven't been that good <laughs> in quite a while. But, you know, I follow them still, even though I don't always talk about them much anymore. 
But the the thing that I found curious about the offensive line, they they drafted uh, Ali Marpet, right? Uh-huh. And he was playing right guard, and he was playing really well. Mm-hmm. And then last year, they did the most curious thing. They changed him to center for no apparent reason. They already had two pretty good centers <laughs> yeah. on the roster. They just like, fuck it. Let's put Ali Marpet at center and create a position of need at guard for no fucking reason at all, right? Yeah. Now, they just signed a real good, what, center <laughs> in free agency. So now all of my pet goes back to guard. And, and, and if this was a team that people actually follow nationally, Everybody would be scratching their head now, like, what the fuck are you doing with Ali Marpet? <laughs> He's a very good He came from a small school. I don't know if people remember. He came from a small school, you know, mostly a, a road grader at first. But he's really come along, man. He was really playing well at guard. Then they stick him at center for no fucking reason. I swear, mm-hmm. they had two. They had one center that they uh, uh, picked up, Lovey Smith's first year, too. Then another guy, Hawley, who's a, who had been starting and playing well. And they're like, nah, fuck it. I know we got two centers. We're we going to have three, okay? And so we're just going to move <laughs> Ali Marpet over here and make our guard, our right guard position uh, a little bit weaker, at least until they signed J.R. Sweezy. But he was out. He was hurt. So then he starts playing, right? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. You got J.R. Sweezy. Now, most people thought that J.R. Sweezy wasn't that good. And it turns out that he, he's average, just about like we saw in Seattle. But now they're they're turning over the the roster again at, at offensive line. So where does Ali Marpet play now? Because you see a guy Jr. Sweezy, where is he gonna play? Are you gonna yeah. put him at left guard now, or are you gonna move Ali Marpet to his third position in three years? Is he also <laughs> gonna be a left guard now? I just don't understand what the fuck the Bucks are doing with their offensive line right now. And nobody seems to be even pointing it out. Like, when they signed Ryan Jensen, nobody was like, hey, man, what are you going to do with Alan Marpet? Because mm-hmm. nobody even pays attention to them anymore. <laughs> yeah, they haven't really gotten, like, for some of the players that they have. I mean, like, you know, you look at Mike Evans, who's, you know, one of the better wide receivers in the league. Always fun to watch. They've got a franchise quarterback. I mean, obviously, Jameis Winston has, you know, uh, isn't perfect as a quarterback, but they're invested in him, and there's no reason to think that, you know, with with a little time and patience, he can't, you know, evolve into that franchise quarterback that they kind of expected him to be with the first pick like that. But... But man, yeah, it does seem, it, it is like, you have to stop. I mean, you, everyone was talking this year about the NFC South race. It's like you had to kind of stop, like, oh yeah, the Bucks are in that in that division too. I, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's very <laughs> sad how they just keep, I don't know, meandering. Like, yeah. you know, that was supposed to be the year last year when Jameis took, the the big step forward. Yeah. They went out and they got uh, 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 Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. They yeah. go out and get D Jackson. Get him a, another deep threat, a true true deep threat, right? But what was his problem the whole time early on in his career? Throwing the deep ball. Yeah. Guess what? He still had problems with throwing the deep ball. So I actually thought that he was getting better at it, and it looked like he regressed last year because trust me, Deshaun Jackson was open deep, plenty. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, they hire the head coach 
because he was the offense coordinator. They thought he was going to take Jameis to the next level. Eh, it didn't really happen that way. <laughs> now, the thing of it is, you you because again, nobody really pays attention to the Bucks. You were like, ah oh, man, Jameis still hasn't really done that. But then you look at his stats, and you're like, damn, his stats are pretty good though. Like I think he still might have thrown for over four thousand yards last year, maybe. Like yeah. his stats still yeah. look like franchise quarterback stats, and and that's with him uh, missing some time last year with some injuries. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he still obviously has room to grow. He does still need to get better with that deep ball, especially now that they have a guy who, you know, that's what his specialty is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to make those plays when, when you got a guy running wide open down the field, but he's still doing a lot of things well. So mm-hmm. they still have talent. Uh, they got <laughs> they have Deshaun Jackson on one side and Mike Evans on the other. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a whole lot of talent at wide receiver, let me tell you. And then they got, you know, they looked up with Cameron Brait. He ended up being the guy who, you know, I think was might have been an undrafted free agent. But yeah, he's a really good player, especially in the red zone. They drafted OJ Howard last year. Mm-hmm. He he had some really nice flashes. So you look around and they have talent on offense, at least defensively. They had some guys banged up, some guys that didn't really perform that well. But offensively, that's kind of the head scratcher. How they went backwards a little bit offensively last year in a year when Jameis was really supposed to bloom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to wonder how much longer this coaching staff has to show that they know what they're doing. I'm not really sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of quarterbacks and, and what an organization is going to do, I, I think this trade, a lot of people have been talking about it, and I think this is kind of an interesting angle on it. It's like the Giants now, I mean, they still have the second pick in the draft in – there's a lot of ways they can go with this. Everyone keeps talking, you know, right now it's all about the quarterbacks, obviously, at the top of the draft because you've got the Browns and then what the Bills traded in, you know, that you had the big trade up uh, over the, you know, last weekend for the Jets to get up to number three. So, I mean, you know, a lot of attention to the quarterbacks. And I look at the Giants at number two and they, they're in a pretty interesting spot in the draft where they are and we don't really know what they're doing quite yet. I mean, like, at one point in time, it looked like this was probably Eli Manning's 2017 was probably Eli Manning's last year in New York. And then everything blew up in the old coaching staff and general manager's face, the way they handled the benching of him there during the season. And now it's like, it seems like, I mean, they're clearing this cap space out, you know, maybe making some changes. Also, I guess they're moving to a three, four defense, which I was, really hadn't thought too much about with the coaching changes this year, but that makes a little bit of sense. But I guess like, I mean, I'm curious as to what the giants will do with that number two pick. I mean, they can trade it. Do they take Barkley? Do they take Chubb? Do they, do they end up pulling the trigger on a quarterback? I mean. Well, I think that's the beauty of the position they're in, in some ways, because they have so many different needs that they could go a lot of different directions and still be happy. Yeah. If they get Barkley and he plays well, they'll be happy. If they get Chubb and he plays well, they'll be happy. If they end up selecting their future franchise quarterback, they'll be healthy. Mm-hmm. They'll be happy. But most importantly, because they have so many options, then they have to feel confident that they can they can 
uh, trade out of that pick yeah. and still pick up somebody that, that will be a major help to them somewhere. Yeah. You know, if there was one guy in particular that they had to have, that's one thing. Now, to me, I look, I look at it as though they're open for business. If there's, we know the Bills out there lurking, yep. you know, trying to get a franchise quarterback. And they How much are you willing trade... to pay for that number two pick? Yeah, and they have the trade capital to do it too, because they have two first round picks. Right, exactly. And and who was who was it that just moved up? Uh, didn't somebody just move up to three? The Jets traded with the Colts to get the third overall pick. Right. So now, <laughs> so so again, if somebody's looking, they know the Jets going. We well. You know, knock on wood, but we are relatively <laughs> sure the Jets are going quarterback because they need one. Yeah. Right. So if you want the second best quarterback, in your opinion, in the draft, what do you have to do? You got to deal with the Giants. The Giants don't have to get a quarterback. A team like the Bills. Yeah, they probably do. Yeah, <laughs> they probably really, really need <laughs> to get a quarterback right now. I don't know. They've got Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Right, right, right. I keep forgetting, you know, the savior. The and AJ McCarron. Around How can we forget that? Fortino was already in the playoff. Huh? So, but yeah, I, yeah, I would look at it that way. Like, with, with them having so many needs, they, they don't necessarily just have one guy. I'm talking about the Giants. Yeah. One guy that they just have to have. So for them, they have to feel confident that they could trade out of that pick and still do pretty well in the draft. They actually yeah. might be able to do great in the draft depending upon – how much they might be able to flee from the Bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if the Bills have the 12th pick and the 22nd pick, as they traded with, uh, who they trade with to move up to 12? The Bengals, because that was the Cordy Glenn trade. They trade to get Cord- they trade with the Bengals. They trade Cordy Glenn to get the 12th pick, and they still have the 22nd pick. So that's a pretty good, two pretty good spots to have there in the draft, especially if you're going to look to trade up, which, I mean, I don't know that, you know, at 12, if there's going to be any quarterbacks on the board there. I mean, there's a good chance there are all five of those guys are gone before you get to pick 12, even with kind of the, the bullshit stuff around Lamar Jackson. Right. So here's the thing, though. I, I just It just hit me when you, when you were talking about the Giants going to a 3-4, right? Them getting a major haul from a team, that would really go a long way in them rebuilding their defense. Yeah. Changing it into how they want it to look. Yeah. So, yeah, the more I think about it, the more, to me, this this makes it seem like they are ready to be open for business and they're looking to trade out of that number two spot. Yeah. I, I don't really see if they're ch- changed to a 3-4. There ain't many times you're going to transition to a 3-4 and that defense is just going to, you know, ball out their first year. Yeah. Unless you got Wade Phillips <laughs> as the defense coordinator. <laughs> That guy knows how to, to, to make that transition quickly. Most yeah. teams, it takes a couple of years to get the right kind of uh, uh, tight body types and, and, and just fit in that defense to, for it to really take off. So yeah. I can't see a way that their defense is all of a sudden going to ball out as a 3-4 defense all of a sudden unless they get some young players that fit exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that they have any kind of rush linebackers. I guess uh, Olivier Vernon could do that, but yeah. I, I don't know that I've seen him do that. Yeah. So that he could stand up and be a rush linebacker in a 3-4. So, you know, maybe you get the guys that look exactly what you want. If you got all these picks, 
because you traded out of number two. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't see the Giants being a Super Bowl contender next year anyway. Yeah. With the talent they have on their team. So why not just kind of blow it up a little bit and get your young guys in there so you can groom them into what you want them to be from the start? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's interesting to look at it because, like, with Eli Manning, it's like, well, just how many more years does he have left? I mean, you know, I, in this era of quarterbacks play until they're 40, it's not – I mean, he could theoretically have four or five seasons left. But at the same time, it's like, well, maybe, you know – he, he, he's what, 36, I think 37 I'm looking this up here, but like, and obviously, you know, hasn't played as well as, you know, the other elderly quarterbacks in the league, namely Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees. But, um, it doesn't seem like he's, he'll be 37 this year. So, Right. Not a and, and, and this is a whole new regime, so they might not even be that yeah. you know, bound to him. Yeah. Because for a lot of regimes, the, the quickest way to earn yourself some leeway for a couple years is to start over with a new quarterback. Yeah. You know, you, you, you let Eli ride off into the sunset the right way this year, and then you can move on from him in 2019. Yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of how I would see it. Now, another thing. You were talking about the defense coordinator. I just looked up. Guess who the offense coordinator is? Who? Mike Shooter. Oh, oh, shit. Yes, Mike Shooter. Now, I forgot about that. Pat Shermer is the head coach. So it might be one of those offense coordinator and name only situations. But, yeah, Mike Shooter. Let's see what this dynamic Mike Shooter offense can do. For Eli Manning and the New York Giants oh. offense. I can't wait. <laughs> well, and you know what? I I didn't even think about until the JPP trade happened this morning, but they were talking about it in Slack, that Dave Gettleman's the general manager there now, who came up from Carolina where he was the general manager last year and with the number eight pick took Christian McCaffrey. So not a guy that's probably, you know, would have a lot of trepidation about drafting a running back with the second overall pick. No, yeah, I, I think if they stick with the pick, they, they would they would have no problem taking Saquon Barkley if they feel like he's the second second best player in the yeah. draft. Hell, they might think he's the top player in the draft. Just he's not a quarterback. Right. So, uh, you know, if that be the case, I don't know that that will be the case. But yeah, I, I can see them taking the number two, uh, taking him as a number two pick in the draft if he's if he was there. I just don't know why you would still be a number two. Unless the Bills just refuse to, to pay the ransom. Yeah. But that's what ransoms are for, getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you make sure that that ransom is just enough where they won't balk at it. Yeah. And you get yourself a nice little haul. Yeah. I just, again, I don't think I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to turn this whole thing around. Well, and they might but get a little desperate, me. too, as, the, you know, as things get, we get closer to the draft, two teams might be a little more like... All right, right, please take our first round picks. We'll move on. Please give us that pick. We'd love to have your pick. Because that was really what was the most surprising. It wasn't surprising that the Jets moved up to number three, you know, in the draft. But I think what was surprising to me is they didn't have to give up a first round pick to do that. Now they only moved up from, I mean, they were in the top 10 already. So it's not like they moved up from the bottom of the draft or anything. But, you know, I. To, to be able to move up to this, the third spot in the draft without having to give up a first-round pick at all was, you know, is notable in considering the what kind of hauls we've seen teams take away 
from other teams that do want to trade up for quarterbacks the last three years. Right. Then you have to ask yourself, which team actually made out of like a bandit this time? Like, were they, uh, you know, did they settle for less than they could have get, gotten? Yeah. Or did, you know, or was it about appropriate compensation? Yeah. So it seems like the whole formula for that kind of thing, trading up and stuff in the draft has kind of changed in a way, maybe with this whole rookie cap situation. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, you have to throw in first round picks anymore the way you used to in order to be able to make moves, whether with trades or trading up in the draft. Yeah. 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 And two, I mean, you know, I know that everyone always talks about that trade value chart that Jimmy Johnson made a long time ago and stuff, but it's always, you know, it's like anything. It's always what's it worth to you is the ultimate price you're going to pay for a trade up or trade down or whatever in the draft. So. It's like e it's the eBay rule. <laughs> right. If anyone out there still does eBay, I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, that's interesting. And like, I mean, I don't know. It'll be an interesting year for this. I think with five potential first round quarterbacks, it could get pretty wild that first night of the draft. So we'll uh, we'll see. I still have to catch up on all the dang players that are going to be picked in the first round because outside of the ones that you've broken down. I in the quarterbacks because like you know unless you live under a rock it's hard to avoid the quarterback talk out there this spring but uh yeah I'm just not as well versed on all the picks and players as I need to be at this point in the season so I've got some catch I've still got some catching up to do so and with free agency over now I should be able to get a breather in to do that but there is one more kind of big free agent story still out there or a couple of them but i think the player that's still out there in free agency that's obviously when we talked about him a little bit last week after the dolphins cut him is in dami kong su and it sounds like he's considering he was in la the latest news was he went to la talked to the rams which we'll get to in a second and was gonna go to oakland and decided not to go to oakland apparently it's down to the titans the saints and the rams for him now which is a pretty interesting mix of teams. Wasn't he scheduled to meet with the Raiders and then it got called off or something? Yeah, he he didn't he declined it. He he said he was going to go home and think about the the teams that he had talked to and Schefter or Rappaport, one of those two guys said it was down to the Rams and uh, the Rams apparently made a pretty strong pitch. Which, I mean, I guess you could sort of if you think of. How would you like to play with Aaron Donald on a defensive line? Is, I mean, whoo, that's, let me tell you, that's something to think about right there. But then I guess the Saints and the uh, the Titans were the other two teams that he was considering. Which I see the Saints, because obviously here's a Saints team that's probably like, hey, let's put all the chips on the table with Drew Brees and make one more all or nothing push for a Super Bowl here in the next year or two. The Titans, I you know, obviously there's a lot of talent on that team, but you know, they're still kind of up and coming. They're young for the most part. And then the Rams, obviously, that's just like, man, if Indami Kansu signed there and what they did to their secondary this year, talk about I mean <laughs> the rich rich getting richer isn't even the right analogy. It's more like it, it's just like, I mean, I can't even imagine 
a defensive line with Suh and Aaron Donald on it like that. You know, the interesting thing is uh, a lot of people who have kind of asked how Sue and, and Donald Kong Sue, I mean, and Donald Kong Sue and uh, what's his, what is this guy's name? The Arnold. Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Which one? Okay. The, uh, with the Rams. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. Yeah. I'm thinking, why am I thinking Arnold? Aaron <laughs> Donald, how they would play together because they're a little bit similar. Yeah. But, you know, they're in a base 3-4, and I know people claim that that doesn't matter anymore, but it does to an extent yeah. because of the actual alignments that you line up in. Um, you might only be four down linemen, but the alignments are different when you're in a base 4-3 attacking style defense from when you're in a base 3-4. Yeah. They just are. They're a little bit heavier on uh, the different offensive linemen they, they line up against, meaning they're closer to being head up than in the gap. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that case, you can still have both those guys playing interior. And Donald Kong Sue could actually play five technique in a 3-4 anyway, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have to do a whole lot of edge rushing, but he would be more of a run stopper out there. And then on passing downs, when they put in nickel or what have you, he and he and uh uh Aaron Donald will be on opposite sides of the center in a three technique. Mm -hmm. So, it, but but the thing is, nobody's saying that about Jarrell Casey in Tennessee. Yeah. And he's a hell of a player, too. I know a lot of people forget about him, but that guy can get out to the passer, too. So, he and Sue would be a hell of a dynamic duo, too, mm -hmm. for that new regime. And then you, you think about the Saints, and they have uh, Cameron Jordan. Yeah, who's, you know, I talked about Jerry McCoy kind of being the only guy out there. That's Cameron Jordan for the Saints. He he uses one guy that's always getting pressure for them. You know, they'll you know they've added Sheldon Rankins, they've added some other guys like that. But having Cameron Jordan and Sue on the same team, two just destructive guys <laughs> yeah. who cause chaos like that, that'd be a hell of a thing. So he'll be a great piece. For any one of those three teams, I think it's going to come down to money. Yeah. Just to be honest with you, somebody said that at the beginning of this, and I, like I said then, I'm not mad at it in Donald Kong Sue for getting paid. Yeah. And wanting to get paid. Because I'm not sure if you just look at any of those teams on paper, any one of them, he could say, well, as soon as I sign here, we become a Super Bowl contender. You know, they, they, mm -hmm. I just don't know if that's the case. The Rams already are that. Yeah. Because that offense and that defense played so well last year. But they probably will be able to pay the least of the three teams. Yeah. When you think about it, they know they have to pay uh, Aaron Donald soon. Yeah. They know they have to play golf soon. They, they got guys that are in line for big paydays. And so I don't know that they can overspend for Sue. If he wants to go after a championship, I don't think there's any question who he should sign with. The Rams. Yeah. They're going to give him the best opportunity, especially with Seattle now appearing to be on the decline oh. for at least this year. Yeah. You know, that division – to me, is going to be right for the picking for them again. Yeah. And they are a very young team. So, you know, they don't have a bunch of old guys. They got guys that can win multiple championships. They get their shit together. So, I mean, I think if you look at the opportunity, man, <laughs> how could you pass up the Rams yeah. for the other two? Shit, the Titans, I mean, they made it to the playoffs last year, but damn, you know. 
They weren't that good. No. And, and, and the Saints, nobody ever really trusted him. They got Drew Brees, but he, we know he's close to being on his last legs. I mean, the, the Rams are set up for success, but yeah. they probably won't be able to pay him commiserate with the contribution he'll give. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do? I think that's what is going to – you're going to see if he signs with the Rams, he's trying to get a ring. Yeah. If he signs with anybody other than the Rams, he's trying to get paid. Yeah. And honestly, I can't be mad at him in either situation. <laughs> no, not at all. And he's not. I mean, like, I, this is his second trip through free agency, and I mean, which is pretty amazing because he's only – I mean, you know, it seems like most players don't hit free agency a second time when they're still, you know, relatively in the prime of their career like this. I mean, he's only 31 this season. Which, like I say, I mean, I you know, that's over 30, but it's not, you know, he's he's got a, definitely got some time left to play if he wants to, and, and if he can avoid injury, obviously. But See, the thing about Sue is it, the injury risk is a big risk for him. Yeah. Because he relies so much on his strength and power. He's just a tank out there. Yeah. But because he relies so much on his strength and power, he's going to keep that strength. He's growing into that old man strength, we call it right now. <laughs> so yeah. soon, he won't even have to lift weights as much as he used to. He's just going to be naturally strong. Yeah. And, and which he's already naturally strong as hell anyway, so that's actually scary to think about. Yeah. But the way he plays the game, man, that's going to translate for several more years, provided he doesn't get hurt. Now, because he plays that way, that does open him up to injury. Yeah. So far, he seems to be kind of bulletproof, though. Yeah. You know, th that guy just kind of, you know, goes and, and gets bounced around all the time, all over the place, makes plays. But you don't see him limping around a whole lot or anything like that. Yeah. So with age, that, that injury risk is, and stuff is going to come up. But as far as production, man, if he's healthy, that dude is going to make plays, the same plays pretty much he damn near has always made because he plays so much off of his power and strength. Yeah. He's not a guy that needs to keep his speed after 30. You know, he, yeah. he's not beating a whole bunch of guys with speed rushes. He's going to run your ass flat over, yeah. and you know it. It ain't a whole lot you can do about it either, especially when you ain't going to get no help because the center is helping with Aaron Donald mm -hmm. or helping with Jarrell Casey <laughs> or helping with Cameron George. Yeah. He's going to run your ass slap over, and, and your quarterback better be with <laughs> so that's why I don't really care about his age as much as yeah. maybe some other guys, maybe a speed rusher or something like that. I think he's still going to perform well, especially if he teams up with with any one of these three teams that already has a guy there yeah. that commands a lot of attention. Yeah. Did you I, you know this is amazing? He has only missed two games in his in eight years of his career, and I think those were because of suspension, or at least one was. I know, but. Right, and, and you just think about how he plays the game, man. And I'm not talking – people uh, uh, all of a sudden care about Los when it comes to Sue. Yeah, I know people don't hardly <laughs> talk about Los ever. All of a sudden, well, he doesn't run to the ball. He's loafing all the time. That's fine. Maybe he does. I haven't even gone back to look at it to pay attention. But let me tell you this. From five yards – past the line of scrimmage to five yards on the other side of the line of scrimmage and that little bit of area, he owns that shit, okay? So maybe he don't run down the field if the ball is thrown down the field. But you try to run between the tackles and he's over there. 
Let, let's see if he's loafing me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that dude, man, he goes hard and he's a hell like he's just he's hell, man, because you got to figure out a way to block him. Even if he ain't making a play, you know that if you don't try to find some kind of way to double team him or somebody at least to come by and chip and help with help your guard or help your center, he's going to create habit. Yeah. So, you know, I don't care. Look, you want to call him out for loaf and cool. Everybody knows that I'm I'm big on guys giving effort. But I'm just telling you right now, nobody's going to worry about his effort. If whenever, Whichever one of these teams he signed with, he's going to make them a lot better on defense yeah. immediately. I don't care whether you like him or not, think he's dirty or not. That's your personal opinion. You turn on that film, that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact remains that dude – will crush your fucking offensive <laughs> lineman and smile about it the whole time. <laughs> I love watching him play. I know he doesn't. We talked about this last week. He doesn't, you know, he, he's not the guy that is the double-digit sack guy or anything, but, man, he's fun as hell to watch play. He's just the the the, the hurt he puts on those offensive lines. <laughs> right. I mean, he does not like them, and he don't mind showing it. No, not and, at all. And, again, I told when, when he signed with Miami, uh, I said then, the big question is going to be is what are the expectations for this big contract from him? Yeah. Because if people think big contract equals a lot of sacks, they haven't been paying attention. He had only, I don't think he had double digit sacks at all. He might've had it one year, but I know back then, basically he hadn't really been a double digit sack guy at all. Right. But that ain't what you signed him for in the first place. That's not, that's not who he is. You don't give a shit. He's going to get a whole bunch of pressures anyway. He's going to flatten a whole lot of quarterbacks anyway. And it's going to be close to being late hit sometimes. That, that's who he is, too. Yeah. He's going to bring a little better attitude to your team. Yeah. But I promise you, you'd rather somebody else have to figure out how to block him than you have to figure out how to block him every Sunday. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, and that loafing thing, too. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to separate that from the just the fact that all that bullshit that with the dolphins that just seems to just just cling to that team like you know a magnet you know so everyone on that team and everyone it seems like everyone who gets on that team in some way or another gets you know some weird shit like that coming out about them so i it's hard for me to take it with much more than just sort of a grain of salt when people say the loafing when I hear that loafing thing get thrown around there, right? And and it's like, what part of loafing are you talking about? Yeah. Because oh, he takes plays off, for instance. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Because if you are a defensive tackle and you take the play off, you're gonna get pancaked. Yeah. Right. You. It's hard to take a play off as a defensive tackle and not get embarrassed. Yeah. And I don't see Indomitian Sue getting embarrassed very much. Do you? No. So somebody going to have to explain to me this whole taking a playoff shit. Maybe he didn't run to the ball. <laughs> but take a whole ass playoff? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of it. Again, my memory ain't the greatest. I have to look back and and, and refresh myself. But I'm not going to do that either because I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he ain't running to the ball all the time. But I'm just telling you, you ain't seen him take quote-unquote, a whole lot of plays off. Yeah. That just ain't how this shit works. Yeah. You can say he didn't make a play that you thought he could make, but this is a dude that normally comes off 
with murderous intentions. Okay, yeah. he's used to coming off to try to choke slam somebody. So again, I just don't know about your definition of taking plays off. It yeah. probably doesn't match up with mine. So. <laughs> no, and like words, those terms like that, and like it was culture change was the other one I was trying to think of because you're oh the culture change, the culture change. Those are terms that always get thrown or like, you know, team sources seem to like to use words like takes plays off and culture change when they're making roster cuts and contract decisions and things like that. So it's always lion season somewhere. Always. <laughs> and I mean, who really is Adam Gates? What do we really know about him so yeah. far? Yeah. I mean, he, I think it wasn't it his suggestion that they sign, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, the quarterback for Jay the Bears. Cutler. Jay Cutler last year? Yeah. How did that turn out for yeah. How's your culture changed then, you know? Jay Cutler, the guy that got the contract, everybody claimed Colin Kaepernick was demanding. After he came right off the couch yeah. and told everybody he wasn't doing a goddamn thing except sitting there <laughs> and getting ready to be a commentator. Oh, and, and that was the brave child of Adam Gates. Again, how did that work out for you? So, yeah, you can talk culture change all you want to. I give a shit about wins. Yeah. All that cultural stuff is usually just buzzwords in a way. Yeah. It's the same as people saying they want to get uh, bigger, stronger, faster on defense. Who the fuck don't? <laughs> Show me the guy that wants to get less aggressive, slower, and weaker on defense. Please show me that guy. I mean, it's just buzzwords. Culture is <laughs> winning is culture. Winning solves everything. Show me that you can win, yeah. and then I'll believe that you can change the culture. But yeah. all this, you know, getting rid of players and shit, didn't we see that in Philly not too long ago? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eddie McCoy, what didn't have it anymore, I recall him. Yeah. Yeah. How did, now, how did that turn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Speaking of, all right. I hear. Speaking of words and definitions that just like have lost all meaning at this point in the world of professional football. Stephen, we can't do this show without talking about the recommendation for the new catch rule. Have you seen this? Shit, it kind of sounds like what we came up with. To be honest, it with you. really does, and like. I like I I will have to give them some credit because it was this is helpful how they presented it because it gets so convoluted over the last few years it's just like you know it just it didn't make any damn sense whatsoever but like the way they rolled out the presentation of the rule that they're gonna the competition committee is gonna propose to the owners next week at the league meetings like I have to give them some credit because they broke it down in steps which was. You know, I've looked and done dealt enough with the catch rule now in 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 this job that like I the more I see it, the more I think about it could catch, the more my head just starts to like hurt, and I have to go grab the Advil because I just can't understand it. But like, so you get to control the ball. You got to get the ball in your hands, which makes sense. You can't catch the ball if it's not in your hands, right? And then you get the two feet down or another body part. So, like, if you f catch the ball in the air and fall down in your ass, you caught the ball and you're down. But, you know, you've got to be in the field of play, which, again, pretty crystal clear. makes a lot of sense. And then it's number three is where we get to that football move thing. But they actually kind of defined the football move, whereas before a football move was pretty much your guess was as good as anybody else 
on the field or in the office in New York as to what that was. So it's a third step. Like you take that third step after you get the ball, after you get your feet on the ground, reaching or extending for the, the line, whether it's the, the goal line or the first down line. So, you know, I think the most recent example that comes to most people's mind is going to be that Jesse James touchdown that was nullified against the Patriots at the end of last season. You know, whereas a running back could do that and it didn't count, a receiver couldn't do that. Or a running back could do it and it did count, and a receiver couldn't do that and it didn't count. Which was, to me, the most mind-blowingly confusing angle that we'd talked about with the catch rule in the last year. And then that weird, the weird one with this one is the ability to perform such an act. Which sounds good, and like, you know, there's some interpretation there, and I think the key maybe is going to be, are they going to let calls on the field stand, or are they going to overturn it even if there's no evidence, which seems like to happen a lot last year. Right, I, I think the thing we have to recognize and remember is that all of this happened as a result of an overreaction to one play. Yeah. An overreaction to Calvin Johnson's touchdown being called back. And so then all of a sudden, they felt like they had to tinker with it. Yeah. Right? Now, you look, I was actually a part of a game that ended up having to do with changing the rules about a catch. It, that was the Burt Emanuel rule. Yeah. And at that time, uh, we, we were playing the NFC Championship game against the Rams, and Burt Emanuel appeared to catch a ball, but the ball, he had it in his hands, but the ball, like, part of it touched the ground. Mm -hmm. But it never changed. It never moved or anything like that. They ruled it wasn't a catch. So yeah. they just went with common sense that time. They just said, okay, look, if the ball doesn't move and, and he's got two hands on it, then it's a catch. That's common sense. I don't even really think there was anybody dissenting about that. Most people who saw that in real time thought we got jobbed, and we did, right? Yeah. But with Calvin Johnson, it's kind of like a one-off thing. We didn't have a big problem trying to figure out what a catch was before that. Yeah. Not really. And then all of a sudden, you know, all these special rules for going <laughs> to the ground and stuff like that. If you got enough of the fucking, if you got enough control of the, whoop, excuse me. That's all right. No, nah, microphone fell over. But <laughs> it's the did you catch you, it? Did you make a football move? Yeah, I, you know, look, it moved in my hand, so I'm not sure. But yeah, I I just look. If you have enough control of the ball to stretch it out at all, that's a catch. Yeah. There's a catch. Otherwise, how are you able to do that? That's why Des Bryant's catch was a catch the yeah. whole time. Not because I was going for the Cowboys at the time, and I definitely was, but objectively, he couldn't have possibly stretched the ball out unless he had control of it. And he yeah. didn't lose control of it until after he stretched it out. So that was the part that didn't make any common sense to anybody about the new ways they tried to implement the rules of our character. So to me, it kind of goes back to common sense. And then, like you said, last year, a lot of the problem, too, was in, in normal times, and, and of course, we had a new, a brand new uh, uh, replay guy, and they revamped the whole replay system yep. where they took it out of the referee's control and sent it to a centralized guy, one one person. And all of a sudden, he seemed to be a little happy with the, the overturn button, you know, like before, it, it and, 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 and even ex-officials would say they tried to uphold the rulings as much as they could. 
Yeah. You know, they'll just say the place stands more often than not. Then overturn. Last year, it seemed like this dude was almost trying to make a name for himself (laughs) by overturning these calls in key situations. At times when officials, you know, as rare as it may seem, actually made the right call initially. So, you know, whatever takes, you know, this decision making out of that centralized guy's hands, I'm all for it anyway. Yeah. Because that was just too much, man. Too many times we're all looking and we kind of already come to the conclusion that, well, there at least isn't enough evidence here to overturn it. Yeah. And then the guy would have to, he would have to have gone off a of gut intuition because there was no way for him to see yeah. what none of us had saw. Yeah. You know, some way to overturn it and yet it still ends up overturned. Yeah. So I think that's it. The fact that they went back to common sense, the less details, the better. And I think that kind of takes it out of the replay guy's hands now and kind of gives control a little bit back to the referees. Now they can make those comments. They know a catch usually when they see it. Yeah. You know, unless it's something just totally minuscule or if they got paid off, like I think the refs did in our game. But I ain't want to talk about <laughs> it. You ain't heard it from me. Right? But for the most part, man, they can see if a ball moves or not. They can see if a guy's stretching the ball out or not. The, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers play with the tight end. He's stretching the ball out. How's that not a catch? Yeah. How can you stretch something out that you haven't caught yet? Yeah. That, that just defies logic. So I think, like, like the one thing that you said that, that, that could be concerning is, or the ability to do so, but I still feel like that comes back to common sense. Does it look like the guy could? Yeah. Okay, then it's a catch. And so hopefully we won't have all these big discussions every single Sunday about yet another big uh, uh, catch that ends up getting overturned. Because most of the time, these some kind of way, the easy catches, you know, like they, they don't have anything to do with the outcome of the game. Yeah. You know, the five-yard hitch or, or the, the – you know, a little 10-yard out, those never get overturned. Mm-hmm. It's always the touchdown that's going to win the game for you with no time on the clock. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, sorry, our bad. That was actually not a catch. You actually did not win the game, and you actually have to try again. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, because that is the stuff that gets people away from football. More than anything else, I think people can bring up to me, even more than a kneeling or any kind of protest is when people feel like the game is taken out of the player's hands. Yeah. And put in the hands of some official in some centralized locations that nobody even gets to see and never has to answer for himself. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird to see the NFL do make decisions that reflect common sense i'm not like (laughs) it doesn't seem like there's a lot of common sense in the world right now so it was kind of refreshing to see that this is the proposal for the catch rule i literally thought it was a parody or something when i first (laughs) when i first saw the proposal i was like okay this is a gag they didn't actually go back to some common sense these days and i looked and i was like oh wait oh shit this is real This was not a parody account. We did not get chapsed on the uh, the catch rule changes. Eat orange, Schefter. I, I, I was just like, there's no way. But yep, somebody had enough sense to say, "Hey, man, let's go back to common sense." And I think you'll see uh, it, a lot better outcomes from that. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny too. Like now, it's probably like it, it hit the breaking point. Enough of the high-profile owners have been burned by it that like now they're probably like, all right, we want this changed, or, or we're gonna fuck you over or something. But but you know what? Since we're talking about rule changes, we ain't, I don't think we've ever talked about this. So I want to ask your opinion about something. Yeah. What do you think about this rule change they're proposing about changing pass and defensive pass interference to a 15-yard penalty rather than a spot foul? Man, I I don't I, – I guess on the surface my gut reaction is I'm okay with it because, you know, you see like that – you know, that was kind of the joke with the Ravens and, and Harbaugh and Flacco was like the – your downfield offense is literally just to try to get pass interference. And, and you know, I, I mean, there's always unintended consequences. Does it take out then? Like, is that, you know, is that one of the rules that, I mean, it's not going to have a huge depressant effect on offense, but, you know, you, you do get a little bit more defensive, you know, if, if they don't get so, different from game to game and what they consider pass interference. I mean, I guess on the surface, I'm okay with it. The short answer. So I, I, I find it like interesting, the dichotomy of people who like it versus don't like it. For me, I'm against it, which is weird as a defensive player. Yeah. But, but I'm going to tell you why. To me, it speaks to the level of play you expect from a player in the NFL Versus the level yeah. of play you expect from a player in lower levels, because it's always fifteen yard penalty everywhere but the NFL. Yeah, right. High school, little league, college, it's fifteen yard penalty. But the reason why is because there's an assumption, in my opinion, in the lower levels that if you throw it to a guy and he's covered, he still it might be a good pass. And the receiver might still drop it, yeah, right. Or the or the guy might be wide open, but the quarterback can't hit him, you know, where he can get to the ball. Yeah. So it's like you're rewarding something that probably wouldn't happen anyway. Yeah. If you give them a spot foul in college or high school or uh, little league. Yeah. In the pros, there's an expectation that if you're out there on the field as a quarterback. And there's a wide receiver, and I'm not just talking about the big-name guys. I'm talking about the fourth receiver on the team. You expect that if he's open, he's going to make a catch, and you expect that quarterback is going to be able to get the ball to him. Yeah. So you expect that if – basically you expect that if he wasn't interfered with, he would make that catch, and it would be a big play. Yeah. Whereas on the lower level, you feel like even if he didn't interfere with the guy – I don't know. You know, yeah. it may be 50-50 yeah. whether or not uh, they're going to make the play. And that is the difference between the level of play on those levels. You know, it, you just got so much more talent in yeah. the NFL. And so, like, the thing is, you're going to have guys trying to get pass interference on every play now. Yeah. If you get the 15 yard spot foul, why wouldn't they? Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, that's a, you talking about being a, a, a easy, uh, uh, you know, with the Ravens or whatever to get the big play down the field. That's an easy 15 yards on third and two. I'm I'm trying to get a pass <laughs> in the fence now yeah. on that. Because believe it or not, I'm, I'm sure every person believes their teams get gets called 
for way more defensive pass interference than they should. Yeah. And most of the time, I'm on their side because, and, and that's mostly about the fact that when there's pushing and shoving both ways, it's the defender who usually gets called. Yeah. Unless you're Mike Evans, <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> Mike Evans, they don't like. They're going to call OPI on him, but that's about it. Yeah. So that's where, you know, I, my bias comes in. And I'm like, ah, you know, they always call on the defender, even if both guys are pushing off. Yeah. But they don't actually call defensive pass interference on those big plays all that much anymore. Like, usually a guy has to do something kind of egregious yeah. on big plays because referees also know that, hey, this is a big play. Yeah. If I call DPI on a deep ball and it wasn't that much of contact, I'm going to catch hell behind this. But if you know it's just a 15-yard penalty, why wouldn't you start calling them more? And plus, you look at it like this, too. For me, you already have the unfair uh, holding penalty that they call now. Yeah. You know, guys, you're holding uh, or, or, or illegal contact is what I mean. Illegal yeah. contact further than five yards down the field. You get a free first down with it. A free first down. So... Okay, there's your 15 yard penalty or whatever. It's not 15 yards, but it's a free first down, a minimal contact against the defender. I mean, it just because it's, you know I mean, six yards, that you trying to tell me I can't touch him out the six yards, but he's still pushing off on me? Yeah. Right? And, and, and we see those plays and they're aggravating as hell. I feel like you're going to see a whole lot more DPI if the referee doesn't have the pressure of knowing this is going to have serious consequences if you call it. Yeah, it's shit, a good point. just like it's a 15 yard penalty, and then the other side of it, shit. If you're a defender and you're beat, why wouldn't you just grab a guy? Yeah, if you, especially if it's fucking Odell Beckham Jr., I'm grabbing the shit out of him every time. Yeah, if he gets a step on me, I'm swiping his feet. I'm grabbing his fanny pack. I'm grabbing his yeah. hair. I don't care. Because that's 15 yard penalties. Yeah. A 15 yard penalty. And if I don't do it, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to catch and be dancing in the damn end zone. Yeah. So, so just for me, I understand what other people, well, it works everywhere else. Yeah, because you don't expect those guys to make their play all the time. You know, you, you throw a, uh, you get a DPI in college and you're like, shit, <laughs> that guy wasn't going to make that catch anyway. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time, you if you don't, get that DPI in the pros, that dude is going to make that catch. Because that's what he's paid for. That's the whole reason why he's on the field in the first place. Yeah. Even even if it's not the big name guys. So to me, I just feel like, hey, man, this is the expectation of the NFL. We expect people to make that play if they aren't interfered with. Yeah. So if they are interfered with, we should give them the ball where they were interfered with. Now, it, what what I would be in favor of is raising the bar for what a defensive pass interference call is worthy of. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Or or what 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 forces you to call that? You know right. what I'm saying? It has to be more than just hand fighting. Yeah, they actually have to restrict them completely from making the catch or grab them or something like that. So I, I'm in favor of raising the bar. Yeah. of what what constitutes defensive pass interference. But I'm not in favor of giving these guys a pass. You're a professional football player. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to cover somebody without interfering with them. 
And if you don't interfere with them, if you don't interfere with them, my expectation level is for that guy to make the catch. Yeah. So if you do something to make sure that the guy can't make a catch that he normally is going to make, he should get the ball right there. It's kind of like the whole uh, – that's why you give uh, 10 yards on a holding call for, you know, if a left tackle is holding a defensive end. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he was probably going to get a sack. Yeah. He was probably going to get a sack or intentional grounding. Yeah. He was probably going to get a sack. So you get the loss of down and, and, and you lose yards because otherwise the expectation level is if you did not ground or if you did not hold, then that guy was going to get the sack. Yeah. So if, if I had that expectation level up front, I should have it on the back end too, man. These yeah. dudes are paid to make those plays, and most of the time they will. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, that basketball player, you know, Everybody thinks they can hoop when they at their own YMCA or whatever, right? Yeah. I used to play a little college ball. All this, I play a little intramural. You get the sorriest, the fifth, the 15th dude on the NBA basketball team will light your ass up in a YMCA. Yeah. Just go all the, you might, he might get dunked on every night, but against you, you're going to be the one getting dunked on. And that's the difference in skill level, man. Yeah. It, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to, to get people to understand that because nobody wants to believe, man, it's not that different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the whole reason why you have a draft and why you get these dudes from college and only a very select few actually make it in the NFL. Yeah. Because you could be all conference in college and that still not be good enough in the pros. Yeah. And so if, if, if you're a professional, you're supposed to make those plays either way. If you if he's not interfered with, I expect him to make that catch. Yeah. And so if he is interfered with, I feel like he's entitled to that same spot where he would have caught the ball. Yeah. But what about make, making it reviewable? That that's something I, I'm with too. I'm with Bill Belichick on this. I think everything should be reviewable. Yeah. Why would you restrict it to any one or two or whatever three situations? Yeah. It made sense at first when they first came up with, you know, the replay system and all that. Everybody was worried, oh, it's going to make the game too long. Oh, it's yeah. going to kill the pace of play and stuff. Well, we've, we're years into this thing now. Yeah. So now we know that it doesn't take that long. And, 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 and you're only going to get the same amount of challenges anyway. So it's not like if you say you can challenge everything that a dude's going to challenge every single play. They still have to pick their spots. And most coaches ain't going to challenge anyway because they're scared. Yeah. Scared of losing a, a timeout that they probably won't ever use anyway. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so what's the fucking problem? Why yeah. can't you? Shit, you ought to be able to challenge an offside on the kickoff. I don't give a damn. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to challenge whatever play you want to? And that's definitely something that should be reviewable. And like I said, I would definitely be in favor of raising the bar on what constitutes defensive pass interference because sometimes it does seem like they're not allowing just regular competition. Yeah. They're not, you know, two dudes fighting for a ball, let them fight for it. Yeah. You know, but if a guy's, you know, literally grabbing a guy's hand or something where he absolutely is impeding him from making a catch, then yeah, you make the call Mm -hmm. or he's grabbing them or something like that. But just two guys fighting for position, that shouldn't be defensive pass interference to me. Because the defensive back fought to be in position to even be there fighting for the ball in the first place. Yeah. So reviewable, raise the bar, 
but don't make it a 15 yard penalty. In my yeah. opinion, I yeah. get it. Like a whole bunch of, I think all of our college football people definitely want to change it. And I, like I said, I can see the other side, but for me, that's where I look at. I, I just don't think with professional players, you let them off the hook that way. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And you know what else is weird about this is like, why did like, I don't understand where this came from. It seems it doesn't, I mean, you know, I know there's a, it's like everything. There's a few high profile instances of it every now and then, but it doesn't seem like I never got the sense of like, of all the issues with pass interference, defensive or offensive pass interference, that the last thing that pops into your mind when you think about it is, do we have a problem in the way we, you know, does the league have a problem in the way they call the, they call that penalty on down on those big downfield throws like that. I mean, like, I, I just, like, it seems like they're solving a problem that doesn't really exist, trying to solve a problem that doesn't really exist with this. I think some people just, just favor the college way or the, or the lower yeah. levels way. Cause again, the NFL is the only one, only the uh, level where you do it that way. Yeah. So I think for some people, they just feel like, well, everybody should have the same kind of rules yeah. and they aren't, you know, necessarily concerned with the punishment fit, uh, fitting the crime. They just feel like, Hey, it works in college. So it should work in the pros. Yeah. And and then you have to quanti- quantify working. Like yeah. what is working? What, 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 would be a sign that it wasn't working in college, for instance? What, what yeah. would tell you that it, it, it is fair to do in high school rather than in the pros? Yeah. So I, I think it's all subjective, but everybody thinks they, has the right, they have the right answer. I was surprised, like you said, that it even came up because yeah. I don't know who thought it was a good idea in the first place. But at the same time, a lot of the reports are kind of making it seem like it's not, it's kind of a, a long shot anyway. Yeah, that's what I saw this morning. So it might be just them placating somebody. Yeah. Evidently, the, the competition committee is definitely not going to recommend the change. Yeah. But, you know, owners are owners. They can do what the fuck they want to, <laughs> obviously. Which is the same reason why Eric Reed still hasn't been signed or, or taking any trips. Yeah. I want to throw that in there. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy uh, that can help a lot of teams. And curiously enough, all of a sudden he's not getting any attention in free agency. Kind of like his teammate last year. Yeah, it's strange how that happens, huh? A guy that can play, a a 26-year-old safety that can play safety, that that can play linebacker, that could do, you know, pretty much what you want to see out of that hybrid sort of safety linebacker position that's so popular now. Great attitude, leader. Everybody said nobody really has a bad word to say about him. Yeah. Switched the linebacker knowing that he was heading into free agency because it was the right thing to do for the team, even yeah. though they sucked and, and weren't winning anything. Yeah. And played his ass off, too. Yeah. So what could it be? Hmm. I just I wonder. <laughs> what know, could it be? If only we, there was a way to answer that question. Right. But, man, like I said, owners, they can do what they want to do. Whole fundraisers and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, though, I, I haven't, don't know where this will go, but it is interesting that the names that are getting deposed in Colin Kaepernick's collusion case. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he had a nice little list. The question I had at the time when he had this list of people he wanted to depose is if he would actually get to that point. The fact that he was deposing, uh, I think, the Texans on the last week. Yeah. 
I'm I'm very impressed <laughs> with his legal maneuvers right now. Yeah. Because you know, one thing about it, man, everybody kind of puts the owners on a pedestal. Like these guys are so smart, but they get caught all the fucking time doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, they got caught with collusion before. They just happen to have the kind of leverage where they didn't have to pay a price for it. Yeah. But I mean, and, and half the time they don't even care if they get caught. No. So <laughs> here's a situation where I, I have every reason to believe that there's going to be several smoking guns on this thing. Yep. But the question would be where, whether they have any recourse anyway. After all that, after proving the case, I can still see with the way our judicial system is now, especially in the, on the appeals level. Oh, yeah. That, that he still, Colin Kaepernick still might not get any satisfaction out of this whole thing. And, that, and that's the shame. I just, it's one of those things where, you almost wish people would talk about it every single day, but there's always other stuff going on too. Yeah. But it's important that we're watching a dude get blackballed right before our very eyes, and he's still, and it's obvious at mm-hmm. this point, even to most skeptics, and he still might not be made whole at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at the quarterbacks that have been signed in free agency too. Man, listen. It's just, just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> These teams just don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> so many teams could he could he could help them. Yeah. Oh, they and just, we saw they that just last rather, year. Rather be the assholes. They rather be on the side of people who are for police yeah. brutality, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the distraction. Yeah. How'd that distraction work out for the Eagles? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then some. Which. <laughs> Okay, I don't know who said this, so I was about to call him a dumbass, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. But what dumbass was it that said that people can't didn't didn't they learn anything? Uh, uh, political teams can't win. Right after the damn, <laughs> right after the damn Eagles just won the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I, LeBron won, and, and then won the championship a couple years ago, and he was still socially active back then. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't remember who it was. Some dumbass, loud and wrong. Political teams can't win. Yeah, living in their own reality, man. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> oh, and you just like you can pretty much create it and live it in the NFL, and like you just never get, you know, Albert Breer can say all that shit he says, and and there's no accountability for it. I mean, none. It's just none. Done totally contradict themselves, be totally hypocritical. Shit, they just wrote an article <laughs> basically saying that Eric Reed is getting blackballed after they spent all last year saying Kaepernick wasn't getting yeah. blackballed. Yeah. You know how many people said, assured us that you know, y'all are just overreacting, Kaepernick will get signed eventually, yeah. and now they won't they, they won't even address it. They won't even fucking hold their hand up and say, hey, you know what? I said that but I was wrong. I fucked up and I apologize. Yeah. Not a single one of these people, and they all on Twitter, and they tweets all still there, will oh, admit yeah. that they were wrong. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no kind of repercussions for that shit either. They their yeah. reputation, you know, with us is taking a hit, but for the most part, they still, you know, floating along just fine. Oh, yeah. No, and it's funny too. I mean, like you can publish with a straight face, and somebody will hit publish for you, and and an editor will let this fly through. I mean, I just like even as an editor, had someone come to me and said, "I'm going to rank quarterbacks, and I'm going to put these guys above Colin Kaepernick." Shit, no, you can't do that. I'm like, listen, 
<laughs> you're everyone's entitled to their opinions, but you just you gotta you got this shit's gotta make sense too. Listen, there's subjective, and then there's bullshit, <laughs> and then we know there's a lot of people now who traffic in bullshit. Yeah, obviously. yeah. And it's funny to see, and then some like that same person was the one walking, it was Benoit or whatever, walking back. I can't believe Eric Reed hadn't been signed. He should totally be signed. Right, exactly. Exactly. Someone put, we were joking uh, in Slack this morning, somebody put, you know, the free agents, remaining free agents that should absolutely be signed or whatever was on the front page of NFL.com and one of them was Colin Kaepernick. I was joking, oh, somebody in NFL.com is going to be getting a call from the league off. Oh, you! That's about to be file four four, not found. Real soon, yeah. I a promise you. That link is going to be shit. broken fast. Oh, They're going to disappear. Man. That person too. You just won't hear from them no more. Yeah, they won't make no formal announcement or anything. You just look up and they Twitter feed. Stop tweeting. You won't see them on TV no more. They're going to bury this shit. I mean, it's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what what a time what a time we live in uh steven it's uh it's been a good another good podcast uh we got uh we covered a lot of ground today oh yeah now i'm gonna jump on twitter so i can see whatever news is gonna come through <laughs> right well, after we finish because you let, know let's it's see gonna who gets traded who gets cut in the next right, five exactly. minutes <laughs> Well, at any rate, if somebody did, if they, whatever breaking news happens between now and next week, we'll be back to uh, we'll be back to digest it. Can't wait.